following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Brought panic to their minds The evil of that hour Was stronger than the sun That beat on them With nowhere left to run The chariots of Egypt Drew nearer as they cried Yet Moses stood there calmly With a fearless faith inside He said there is a power Far greater than the sword Stand still and you will witness A mighty salvation from our Lord And then the Red Sea parted For now there was a Making all the darker pleasures so pleasant to my eyes I knew a lack of prey had led me to that hour Standing there surrounded by sin's power Yet the terror of those moments began to fade away As my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day And my spirit took its armor As my lips took up the sword The light broke through the darkness A mighty salvation from our
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. James, the fourth chapter. Submit yourselves then to God. This is such a desperate need in our hearts that we would submit ourselves unto God. If we will submit ourselves unto God, the devil will stop tormenting us. If we will come near to God by repentance, confession of sin, if we will wash our hands, if we will purify our hearts, if we will stop being double-minded, if we will get serious with God, That's what Pastor James teaches us. Not quite sure how to share with you today. In the midst of failure, we can stop. We can confess our sin. We can repent. Because I tell you, even in the midst of absolute failure, the God of heaven looks with mercy and compassion upon us, and he calls us out of that darkness back into the light. His love and his forgiveness are evident on every side. I want to share with you this incredible man, Abraham, he went through such times of darkness and failure before God. Which of us has not also gone through times of, of great discouragement and failure and then experienced the incredible mercy of God lifting us up, speaking to us, as we have submitted ourselves to him and washed our hands and gotten clean. Abraham has gone through the covenant of circumcision and he has recognized that he has no power in himself, that it is all God's power and God will bring about what he has promised. And then comes the incredible visitation where Jesus, pre-incarnate, with two of his angels, comes to his tent. Can you imagine God coming to your front door? And you're inviting him in and preparing a meal for him. That's what happened. This was... 
This was again the promise. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I just hear in my spirit today that some of you are feeling like, God can't change my situation. That's a lie from the devil. Some of you recognize you have failed, utterly failed. You are broken by your failure. You don't know how to turn it around. You don't know how to rescue yourself. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Here he is, sitting out in front of the tent in the Oaks of Memory, talking with Abraham. And then he begins to speak with Abraham. He says this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? This is Genesis 18, verse 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Do you know what joy that statement brings to my heart? That God is not looking at our past failures. He is now speaking with Abraham, who has failed, who has sent his wife off to Pharaoh, who has walked in unbelief. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. I want God to look at Ray Greenley and say, this is what he's going to become. I think I need to talk with him about what's going on. Oh, don't we all like to know what's going on? Don't we like it when a friend calls us and tells us what's going on? How God is moving, the miracles he's working, the love he's expressing. Don't we like that? I do. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. Had you asked Abraham, Abraham, do you believe you're going to become a great and powerful nation? He would have said, are you kidding me? Of course not. Now, if you'd ask him, are you going to have a son by Sarah? He might have answered yes. Although I'll show you in a moment that even that was still in doubt. The Lord had chosen him, it says, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Jesus is saying, look, I know Abraham's heart. I know he wants to do what is right. Keeps failing keeps doing what is wrong. Some of you today, as I was praying about this broadcast, some of you have done what is wrong. You've confessed it, you've repented, you've, you've shed tears over it, but you know it was wrong. But your heart is to do right. And you're asking Jesus to step into your life and make you righteous. And he will do it. 
That's his love for us. Not only that we would do what is right, but that our children would do what is right. And now the Lord begins to speak with Abraham about something that is very heavy on his heart. This is Genesis 18, verse 20. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have said and what they have done If it's as bad as the outcry that has reached me, if not, I will know. Now the two angels turned and began to walk like men towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And in their hand was the power utterly destroy the whole region to burn it with sulfur. I've been to where they believe Sodom and Gomorrah stood, the Dead Sea, the Negev. It is so utterly barren. Only ash and dirt. Now Abraham begins to show how he has become much like the Lord. He begins to intercede with Jesus for the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. I love Abraham for that intercession. Comes close to the Lord. And he says, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city. Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? And Jesus answers, Far be it from you to do such a thing. This is Abraham. Will will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. I want you to see this. Jesus has come down, not as a baby yet in the manger. He's come down in the pre-incarnate form of Jesus. And he is now speaking face to face with Abraham, as Abraham now is interceding for those who are soon to die. How marvelous is this? You know a man or a woman has begun to gain the heart of God when they will come and intercede even for those that they don't know and ask God for mercy. Abraham spoke up again. Now now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, He recognizes who he's speaking to, and he recognizes who he is. What if the number 
of the righteous is less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? Jesus answers, if I find 45, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Now I think at this point Abraham concludes that probably Sodom and Gomorrah have been saved. There's Lot and his wife. There's Lot's two daughters. That's four. There are the two men there to marry. That's six people. Surely there are four more that Lot has influenced and one to walk in righteousness with the Lord God of heaven. The two angels, they arrive in Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city, that is, with the the rulers of the city. And when he saw them, he got up to meet them, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. Lot is kindly trying to rescue these visitors from the ravages of the wicked men of Sodom and Gomorrah. They protested, but he insisted. He prepared a meal for them, bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went out and tried to reason with them. He didn't know who these two men were. He didn't know they were angels of God sent to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. They would not listen to him. The men of Sodom said, Get out of the way. This fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. And they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door to the house. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back inside the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. 
in the Hebrew, the actual meaning of this is, yes, it may be blindness, but it also can be dizziness. And the two men say to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. And Sodom and Gomorrah become a theme repeated through the scripture of the certainty of God's judgment upon the wicked at the end of time. Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. They thought he was joking. It's obvious that Lot had never spoken to them about the Lord God of heaven and the miracles he had seen take place. With the coming of the dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Probably all night they'd been feverishly packing, loading the donkeys, preparing to leave. But he still hesitated. There was still more he wanted to take. But the two angels grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as he'd brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you've shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here's a town, small town. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Angel said to him, Very well, I'll grant this request too. I'll not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I can't do anything until you reach it. By the time Lot reached that small town called Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. From the Lord, out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. Do you understand what a a tragedy this is? It is the judgment of God that he must pass on the wicked. On one hand, we have Abraham called out by God, who makes mistake after mistake, but his heart wants to do what is right. 
and he is slowly being discipled and disciplined by God. He is being shaped by God. I've been curious. Why did Abraham not walk the Lord to Sodom and Gomorrah to make certain that his nephew was rescued? Because finally there was a clear break and he was no longer going to rescue his nephew. Obviously, we don't know the whole story. There must have been some kind of certainty in his heart about his nephew and about his wife. In verse 26, But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife looked back. That's so cryptic, but let's fill it in. Lot's wife looked back with great longing because she wanted to live in this beautiful plain, well watered with all the green vegetation, and she wanted to live in the city that was wicked like Egypt was wicked. And she too was swept away. In one day, Lot lost his home. He was living in a house while Abraham was living in a tent. He lost the city that he and his wife loved, even though he was grieved by the wickedness of the people who dwelt there. He lost all of his cattle, all of his donkeys, all of his mules, or donkeys goats, sheep. He lost everything. All of his belongings except what he could pack and carry out quickly. He was left barren. He had his two daughters and that's all he had. He made the wrong choice when he chose to separate from Abram or Abraham. He should have said Abraham The blessing of God is upon you. I give you all that I have. I want to follow you. Be faithful to you, Abraham. Instead, he now is utterly lost. Abraham, it says, got up early the next morning. He returned to the place where he'd stood before the Lord. We could look down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And what he saw broke his heart. He saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. Because God had destroyed the cities of the plain. But he had remembered Abraham, and for Abraham's sake, he brought Lot out of this catastrophic destruction. You know the rest of the story. It's an ugly one. Where Lot and the two daughters are afraid to live in Zor, they hurry to the mountains. They live in a cave. And there, each daughter gets his father drunk and goes in and sleeps with him and produces a child out of incest. 
I can't imagine the impact this had on Abraham. Because on one side, he sees the great mercy of God in his failures. He sees the great love of God. He sees that God is even willing to come and talk with him and confide in him. And then he sees the bitter judgment of God upon sin. And you would think that this would cause him to become so electrified and so alert that he would not walk in failure even one more time. Remember, he has the promise that he's to have a son via his beautiful wife, Sarah, as they cannot have children. A miracle has been promised to them. Abraham, he can't stand the thought of living at the Oaks of Mamre any longer. So he moves into the region of the Negev. Remember the Negev? That's the passage between Canaan and Egypt. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And there it says, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, She is my sister. The same failure again. Have you made the same failure more than once? I have. Grieves my heart. Say, Ray, will you ever learn? Trust, trust the Almighty God. Submit to him, and he will carry you through, even when it looks utterly impossible. Yesterday was a day for me that looked utterly hopeless and impossible. In the afternoon, the Lord granted the victory. I did not sink down in discouragement because I've walked this walk so long. I rose up in trust and confidence and I said to everyone, the victory is mine. Jesus will do it. Jesus will will get the, the glory and the honor and the praise and the worship. God gave Abimelech, Sarah, and he took her as his wife. Now remember that Sarah is the very one through whom the great miracle is to be performed, that God is going to give birth to Isaac. God is going to work a miracle between these two old people. Can I say this? With with deep seriousness, but with a smile. Old age does not is not equivalent to righteousness. You don't necessarily get wiser as you get older. Some old people are just plain wicked. 
and rebellious. And they never learn to submit to the Lord. They've gone their whole life. They've never submitted to God. I don't want to be that kind of person. So God had to come and interfere again. He came to Abimelech, King Abimelech, in a dream one night, and he said to him, You're as good as dead because of the woman you've taken. She's a married woman. Now, may I say something that may startle you? Do not stand in the way of what Jesus intends to accomplish. If you stand in the way of God, you will get run over. The Lord God of heaven is going to accomplish his purpose. Don't stand in the way. Abimelech was standing right in the way of God. He now has Sarah, the precious woman, who may already be pregnant with Abraham's son. The son has been promised. One year. And Abimelech has a dream. And God says, you're as good as dead because of the woman you've taken. She's a married woman. She's not just a married woman. She's the wife of Abraham, who is the forefather of all that God has promised for the salvation to bring the Messiah to bless all the nations of the world. And this foolish king, for the sight of a pretty woman, has stepped into something he had no clue about. Don't step between what God is doing and the lust of your own heart. Abimelech had not gone near her, the scripture said. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister, and did not she say, he is my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and with clean hands. God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. In other words, the Lord said, I have restrained your passions. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all that is yours will die. Oh, all I can say to you is, be very careful that you do not foolishly step between what God is doing in a man or woman's life and what God wants to accomplish. Don't give way to passion. Don't give way to bitterness or anger. Don't step between what God is doing in your ignorance, in your blindness. Guard your heart. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all of his officials, his court officials, and he told them what had happened. 
and they were very much afraid. They were terrified. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You've done things to me that should not be done. And he said to Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? And Abraham gives the most lame excuse that a man can I said to myself, There is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother. She became my wife, and when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, This is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say, He is my brother. There are old vows that you need to break. Old ways, old decisions that you need to break and submit yourself unto the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can be washed and made clean in the midst of your failure. Submit yourself now to God. He loves you. Amalek brought sheep and cattle male and female slaves, and he gave them to Abraham. He returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And he said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. And to Sarah he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. That's about 25 pounds of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Now imagine Abraham's position. He caused this. It was his lack of faith in God. It was his lack of belief that the God of heaven would do what he promised he would do. He doubted God. He did not obey the Lord God of heaven. And now he has to humble his heart. Pray that God will undo the judgment he has made against Abimelech and all of the wives of the kingdom. So he prayed to God. And God healed Abimelech and his wife and his slave girls. God had closed up every womb in Abimelech's house because of Abraham's wife Sarah. He was now set free. He was healed. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. And Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised. At the very time God had promised. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, and yet I've borne him a son in his old age? You know, I I read the scripture and I, I weep for God. The kindness and the mercy, the grace of our Lord God of heaven. 
This whole life has been about, Abraham, will you submit to me? Abraham, will you believe the word of God? Abraham, will you follow directions? Abraham, why'd you give your wife away? It's through her that I will bring the very promise. You know that. I made that promise to you, Abraham. We made a covenant together. What's wrong with you, Abraham? Give your wife away to save your own life? Don't you believe that the hand of God is not too short, that that the hand of God can save you, Abraham? I tell you, how many times I have quickly turned to do what seemed expedient to me at the time, because I thought I was going to die. I thought I would lose everything. I thought, surely, I'm all washed up. It's over. Surely, I can't continue radio. Surely, I can't do this. Surely, it's all over. It's hopeless. Is the hand of God too short? No. Wow. You know, I just know in the spirit today there are some of you who are right in this place. And the question is, will you trust the God of heaven? Will you believe in spite of all the circumstances of your life? Will you believe that God will deliver you according to his promises. Mark 11, 23 and 24, 25, 26. Speak to this mountain, command it to be removed. It will be done for you. If you believe in your heart, it will be done. I have quite a number of people who've asked me to said, I need prayer, Pastor. I need prayer for my marriage. I need prayer for this. I need prayer for this crisis. I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. I need the mighty hand of God to be exercised in my behalf. And God is saying, will you follow me? Will you obey me? Will you do what I ask you to do? Will you trust me? I want to pray for you today. I pray for for Laura and Tom and Chris and many others. A precious pastor who has such an incredible ministry. For a dear woman who sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom, the work of the gospel. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for each one of you who is in that valley of is the hand of God too short. You know you need God to answer your cry. One dear sister at the end of this month will be homeless. She has a little son. 
She's crying out to God for a place to live. She's crying out to God for her, for her little boy. She needs deliverance. Almighty God, I bring before you each that I have on my heart that I have not even named to lift them up before your throne and say, O God, Lord Jesus, your arm is not too short. You are a God who will punish the wicked, but you will save the righteous. You are a God who will cast down the rebellious, but you are also the God who will redeem those who in their heart desire to be one with you, even though they've made many mistakes. And today they're they're suffering because of past mistakes, or they're suffering because of poor judgment, or they're suffering for some aspect of, of being a human person. But, oh God, your arm is not too short. Lord, some are suffering because they believe lies. They've been taught by false shepherds. They've been taught lies. Lord, I'm asking today, would you unveil your truth for each person who is now praying with me and lifting up their hands unto the throne of God? Lord, we come and lift up our hands to your throne. For we know you are a merciful God, a compassionate God. You are a God with great understanding. You are a God who turns things from darkness to light. Your arm is not too short. So we call upon your name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, we call upon your name and with absolute confidence say, your arm is not too short. You are the Savior, the Deliverer. Yes, you're the righteous judge who will pass judgment on those who refuse to repent, who refuse to turn from their sin, who refuse and harden their heart. You will bring the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah upon that person. But, oh God, that's not who we are today. We come before your throne of mercy and we call upon you for the mercy of God to meet the financial need, to open the windows of heaven, to change and heal relationships, marriages, to heal the sick and broken bodies of those right now, Lord, who are stretching their hand out to the radio or to the whatever they're listening to, Lord, they stretch out their hand and they say, Lord, I believe you. I believe you. Your arm is not too short. Lord, we wait upon you. We praise you. Lord, my heart breaks with this story because of how quickly and how easily in the crisis of the moment We turn to flesh 
and we turn to foolishness, and we become angry, we become hostile, we become bitter. Oh, God, rescue now. Who is crying out to you, who is calling upon your name. Lord, come and meet the cry today. Lord, break out with revival in this city. Restore the the lost. Restore the broken. Restore the sad and the weeping. Lord, send your spirit out. Minister to each person who is listening now, who is crying out before you. Break the pride. Break the arrogance. Break the sin. And turn the heart of every person unto righteousness. And in faith we will say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In the midst of the impossible, in the midst of our failure, we say, Jesus is Lord. And we submit to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I know in the Spirit that as it's time, he's calling you to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We're a house church. We're not big. We're not impressive. We're, we're not there to be impressive to anybody except Jesus. We're there to plead his mercy and his grace. If you'd like to come, You're welcome to call me and ask for directions, and I'll be happy to give those to you. 703-489-1785. I'll give you that number again. The Holy Spirit is calling you. Then obey. This Sunday, 10 o'clock in the morning, we close sharply at noon unless the Holy Spirit comes in Pentecost power. 703-489-1785 And you will find, you will be welcomed. You will be welcomed with open arms. Now I'd also like to hear from you. Please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 22195. I wish I could name each person who has made the decision to walk with me in this ministry. I can just tell you how much I love you and I treasure you. God has called for this ministry, this radio ministry, this national prayer chapel ministry, and the ministry of revival that he's sending. I invite you to walk with me. God bless you today. We're out of time. I'm going to finish this story of Abraham. On Monday. 
Tuesday, we're going to have a special guest, Pastor Jim Kerwin. He'll be with us for one day. He'll have the broadcast, and then I'll interview him. We're going to deal with the issue of faith. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. The arm of the Lord is not too short. And even in the midst of failure, the arm of God is not too short. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.